All right, guys. So this is the first episode I've done in a while. Um, I have a very special guest here with me today. Her name is Ipo, um, and she's been around me since I was very little. Um, we're going to call this episode Mindless Banter, and we're just going to talk about stuff. Um, it may end up being spiritual. It may end up just being random. Uh, we don't know yet, but we decided that it would be fun um, and give us an opportunity to just hang out and bond a little bit. So um, you can go ahead and introduce yourself if you'd like. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm Ebo. The fun walks on the beach. Actually, yeah, I really do. Um, <laughs> All right. So how are you uh, doing today? So uh, where are you from, Ipo? Tell us I'm a little bit Hawaii. about yourself. Okay. I live in Ohio now, but I'm in Alabama right now. Uh, so what's it like being Hawaiian? Uh, do you get a lot of questions? Any weird looks from white people? <laughs> from white people? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, no, but I get a lot of weird questions. Do you guys still live in Grass Pits? I mean, I guess we can, but no, not really. Um, or, like, who's your family? Because apparently my face looks like everybody else. And they swear that you went to school with them, or I am related to somebody. I'm like, no, I'm really not. So, uh, which part of Hawaii are you from? I am from the Big Island. So, I'm actually from Kealakekua. Okay. Um, and the Big Island's Hawaiian name is Oahu, right? No. No? The Big Island's Hawaiian name is Hawaii. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oahu is the main island. Okay. So, Oahu is the main island. Um, so, are <laughs> <What's> you... <it>? Yeah. <laughs> um... I don't know. Well, we're glad to have you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so, are you a Christian? I am. Okay, good. I'm a Pentecostal. Oh. So, so um, I guess we could go with this way with our episode. We could talk about the differences between our denominations. Um, do you know a lot about being Pentecostal? I know I'm not allowed to wear pants when I go to church. Uh, so, so it's more of a holiness group kind of thing. Modesty and. I mean, I guess. Um, you would think I know a lot more since my family on both sides has gone to that church for like ever. But I don't. Um, so, do you go to church in Ohio? I know I was talking to your mom and she said she went to a church while she was in Hawaii, but. Um, yeah, we all came from the same church. It was the Lamb of God. Okay. Um, so, currently, um, I'm an Anglican. Uh, there's. There's quite a few differences there. Um, Anglicans have a lot of Catholic viewpoints uh, because that's where we came from. The Anglican Church split off from the Catholic Church. Um, Do you have to say a whole bunch of Hail Marys? Uh, no, the Anglicans, uh, Hail Mary is optional. Nobody's going to gripe at you if you say Hail Mary um, or if you pray the Hail Mary prayer. Um, but... In America, it's not as common to see Anglicans praying the Catholic Rosary. Um, personally, I do occasionally. Um, I have several rosaries, um, but it's not common, I guess. 
How do they tell how many Hail Marys you have to say, though? Like, it's um, like, oh, you stole a cookie. You need to see two. Um, I think it just depends on the priest, honestly, um, because uh, the idea of penance is entirely up to the priest. So if you did something, for instance, steal a cookie, the priest might say, you know, pray two Hail Marys and an Our Father, and, you know, that'll be your penance. Um, or some priests are a lot stricter and will say, okay, you need to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet for a week, um, and that'll be your penance. This is like a lot of penance. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of penance. Um, Anglicans have confession. It's just not... Um, we go by the phrase, all may, some should, and none must. So anybody can go to confession. Some people should go to confession, but no one has to go to confession. So it's not a requirement for salvation like it is in the Catholic Church. But if you go to an Anglican church and you ask the priest to hear your confession, they'll gladly hear it. Um, and Catholic confession and Anglican confession are very similar. <laughs> in those ways. Um, we do not offer penance because we believe that that is between the penit uh, the penitent and God. Um, so we don't offer penance, but we do offer absolution. Seems fair enough. Do you guys believe in purgatory? Um, depending on who you ask. Um, some Anglicans really hold to that Catholic tradition and some like the Episcopal church in the United States have gone more Protestant. So, um, depending on who you ask, uh, um, determines on whether they believe in things like praying to the saints and, um, purgatory, things like that. Um, I personally, I can't say I believe in purgatory, but I believe it's a possibility. Um, because the Catholic Church is one of the oldest Christian doctrines in the world. So um, the early church fathers, purgatory was something that they taught. Um, our views are different on things like Mary and the saints, but um, we do have a lot of similar views. Um, so one question I like to ask other Protestants is, what is your view on Holy Communion, or otherwise known as the Lord's Supper? Is it something symbolic for you guys, or is it something literal? Like the painting, or no, like the, the actual communion, supper? the communion. Um, personally, like I said, the church name that we went to, so it is not. Their opinion is just mine. So don't be yelling at them. But I think it's for more people that needs it. Like for me, I mean, it's cool. But I think I have more of a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Like yeah. I don't have to go to a church. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have to take break the bread. And yeah, um, for Anglicans, um, communion is a very literal thing. Um and you can tell just by the way the liturgy is formed and the way that the priest um, offers communion and the way the people respect it, that they believe that it is truly the body and blood of Christ. 
Um, and for me, uh, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, that ideology, that doctrine, um, I feel like really brought me closer to God um, because I had something physical to represent the divine um, and just really understanding that theology and becoming very close and respectful of that theology um, really changed my views a lot on Christianity. Um, things like um, sin and repentance and the sacrifice of Christ. Um, you know, the Anglicans don't believe that it's literally a chunk of flesh and a cup of blood, but we believe that the Holy Spirit is truly present. Christ is truly present um, in spirit in those elements. Um, so uh, as an interfaith minister, um, a lot of people believe differently. So I like to tell people, you know, if you believe that way, if you believe it's symbolic, then take it and respect it as a symbol. If you believe it's literal, take it and respect it as a literal thing. Um, but to me, it's all about if you believe it, then it's true. So some Anglicans don't believe some people, um, some Anglicans believe that it's simply symbolic and the church is okay with that. Um, but if you believe, then I believe that it is truly um, the body and blood of Christ and isn't the body and blood of Christ until you believe it. So uh, that's the Anglican view on communion. Um, I know a lot of churches like the Pentecostals and the Baptist do it as a symbolic thing. Um, they give you a little cup of grape juice and a little piece of unleavened bread. Um, and there's not a whole lot of pomp and ceremony to it. Um, but for the Anglicans, um, our liturgies are, are very, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, in me starting out as an Anglican growing up, um, Church of God, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, there's people making the sign of the cross and bowing and genuflecting and um, all sorts of other things that I didn't quite understand until I had really gotten into being an Anglican. Um, and if you, for instance, were to visit our church, uh, you would probably be in the same position I was. Um, you probably wouldn't know what was going on. Um, I know when my mom visited for Christmas Eve, she was really confused. <laughs> she was like, oh, what's going on? Um, and it's a lot of up and down. I'll tell you that. Uh, you, it's just kind of like an Irish. Yeah, you do a lot of. Stand up, sing a hand. Yeah. Sit down, stand up, sing a hand. Yeah. We do a lot of standing up and sitting down and kneeling. and um, But the real beauty of Anglicanism, I, I truly believe, comes in our respect for um, the Holy Eucharist. Uh, it's very, it's a very powerful moment in the service. Uh, so as a Pentecostal, I know a lot of Pentecostals believe in speaking in tongues. What is your, what's your viewpoint on that? I've seen that before in our church. Okay. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Uh <laughs> so, so is it scary or is it like... Is I don't it know if it's scary because it's more like a scream in partial tongue. Okay. So 
So um, a lot of people who don't understand the Pentecostal faith, um, if I were to look at that, I'd probably call an exorcist. Um, because it's not a whole lot of fashion around, though. It's more like their hands are in the air and they're talking in tongues and or like crying. I mean, the ones that I've seen now, there's been times that people will fall back and start talking. I, I guess, you know, since I haven't been in that church since I was 18, that probably forgot a little kid. But if you're used to it, you're like, oh. Yeah, so so for me, I didn't grow up Pentecostal. Um, our church, my my former church, um, when I went to Mount Tabor Church of God. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, their view was it can happen, but it doesn't. It could happen, but that's not really something that happens anymore. Um, I have never seen anyone speaking in tongues in person. Um, and my view when I've seen videos and things like that of people speaking in tongues, it's always been, um, very dramatic. Yeah. Very dramatic. And it, it's not a, um, intelligible language. It's a lot of gibberish. Um, you know, according to the Bible, truly speaking in tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit, which Pentecostals believe, but it's an it's a it's an understandable language, um, not just shamanama word. Ding dong. Yeah, um, it's an intelligible well, language. It is an intelligent language, but you don't understand it. It's just like hearing somebody in Vietnamese. Like it doesn't sound intelligible to you at all. But if you're talking to somebody else, they totally get it. I can like, see I've that. I've heard before that God has a name for you, and it's not your earth name. But it's so unintelligible to us right now because we don't understand the language. So what if parcel, parcel tongue? <laughs> I mean, speaking in tongues. I've got a little Harry Potter action going on. Is <laughs> <laughs> actually an intelligent language, but because we don't know it, it just sounds like gibberish. Um, it, it could be something like that. Um, but the Bible talks about um, having basically to the point where the, the reason speaking in tongues came about was when the apostles were in a place called Capernaum, which was basically a giant shipping port, and they got up on what I assume was their version of a soapbox or a stage. Um, and they were preaching and the Holy spirit came down and the apostles spoke in the, in the language and the native language of the people that were there. So they could understand because, um, a lot of the apostles being from Rome would have spoken, um, Etruscan or Latin. Um, and people from Capernaum wouldn't have understood that. Um, because it was a huge mix of people. So they, the apostles couldn't speak in their native tongues because no one would have understood it. Um, so that's where speaking in tongues comes from. Um, and I believe it can happen. Um, I don't believe it happens as often as the Pentecostals claim. Uh, I don't believe it happens often either, but I have seen it a few times. And it's almost a, 
people, not really always the same people, but it's like maybe 10 out of the 50 that'll do it. And it's usually like the deacons or I think this is the pastor do it. It's not like, you know, I'm going to go to church one day and all of a sudden be hit with the tongue speaking. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is, is there's a lot of spiritual gifts. Speaking in tongues is not the only spiritual gift. Um, so I feel like speaking in tongues isn't really necessary anymore, I guess. Um, it may not be necessary, but some people get hit with the spirit that much that they do. Yeah. And um, I think that's cool. Like, I don't know if I get hit with the spirit that much that I'll start speaking in a completely different language. But I have felt it, so... Well, a lot of people nowadays are bilingual. I mean, you can speak Hawaiian and English. Um, I know German and English. So a lot of people, I mean, are bilingual now. So I, I don't know if um, maybe in a more re remote place, um, someplace like Africa, um, where it's not a common language um i mean even in the united states you don't really hear people speaking true african um so maybe something like that um i'm not sure i've never had it happen i've never seen it happen um but i i don't doubt that it can um because i believe in the power of the holy spirit and i believe that anything can happen if god wills it to be um, so I have no problem sitting and accepting someone speaking in tongues. Um, now there's, there's a difference between speaking in tongues and going overboard just to make a show. And I know a lot of mega churches do that. Um, especially you believe the mega churches are real though. Like, what's his name? And that other dude. Joel Olstein and. Um, yeah, and there's uh, Ken something or other. Uh, big prosperity gospel preachers. Um, I don't judge other Christians specifically because I grew up in a church that did. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, we were told basically all other Christians are going to hell. And as I, as I continued to make my journey as a Christian. Um, and many of my listeners know that I'm gay. Uh, continuing in my journey as a Christian, I became, I came to realize that uh, most Christians believe in the same core values. Um, we just interpret the Bible a little differently and that's just human nature. So I don't like to say that any church is right or wrong. Um, now, there are a couple Christian groups. Uh, well, yeah, two. There's two Christian groups that I don't accept as, as part of the Christian faith, and that's because they've, they don't hold the same core values as the other Christian denominations. Um, the thing that I like about the Anglican church is if, you're Pentecostal and you walk in and you want to take Holy Communion, the priest will give it to you. 
he has no problem doing that. Now in the Catholic church, that's a little different. If you're not Catholic, you can't take communion. And that's the same thing with um, Greek Orthodox or any of the Orthodox Christians. If you're not Orthodox, you're not going to be able to take communion from them. Um, they're going to be able to watch you in the service. So you can say you're Orthodox, but if you don't look Orthodox, um, or you, you don't have to look a certain way, like what if you just followed everybody else? Um, it, it's pretty easy to tell. I can tell when somebody's not an Episcopalian just by looking at them, because they they don't know what's going on and they have that kind of lost look. Um, now if, <laughs> I have that last look all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you could get away with it, and you did, and you admitted to it, they're not going to say anything, because there the rule is, you know, you're supposed to prepare for Holy Communion, and there's no harm. There's no harm in someone who's not Greek Orthodox or Catholic. From taking communion, it's not gonna like kill you or something. But um, if if you do manage to go to a Greek Orthodox or a Catholic church and you walk up and you take communion, I mean they can't really, they're not gonna really be able to say anything. Um, so you would just walk up and smile and be like, "Oh, it's communion." But the, the nice thing about the Anglican church is you wouldn't have to sneak. Um, you could just walk in and, and join the rest of us and take Holy Communion um, because the Anglican ideology is all are welcome at the table of God. Um, As it should be, right? Yeah, it, and it should be that way. But you, from the Catholic and Greek Orthodox viewpoints, other Christians – aren't God's people. They they recognize them as being Christian, but they don't recognize them as because when you're not saved according to their theology and the way that they believe in salvation, then you might be Christian, but you're not allowed but you're to not receive that Christian. Yeah, you're not you're not allowed to receive the sacraments. So the, this is a this is okay, so this is the reason why I have issues with churches though. So I was saved in the Pentecostal church. Now, if I had gone to a Catholic church, they're going to be like, mm. I mean, you were saved in that church, but you weren't saved in our church. You're not going. Yeah. So So how do they know? So you're going to get that if you go to a Catholic church and you say, well, you know, I'm a Pentecostal. They're not going to let you receive the sacraments, uh, confession, marriage, uh baptism now the one the other thing is is that with the anglican church it's any baptized christian so but if you were an unbaptized christian though like does that mean you don't get to go to heaven um according to them now the anglican totally run out of time <laughs> it's okay um the anglican church's view on baptism is as long as the person is baptized in the correct formula, which is the Trinitarian formula, um, then they are validly baptized. Um, there's a scripture, I think it's in John, that says, Go ye all unto, all unto the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Um, I thought every baptism was like that. Now, well, I know some... I shall dip you into the river. Good luck. Some modern age Pentecostals believe in baptizing just in the name of Jesus. Now, personally, as someone who is an amateur theologian, um, I feel like that's okay. Because Jesus is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right, he's a full trinity. Yeah, so so Christ is just the human embodiment of the trinity. Um, now, some people don't believe that, but as an Anglican, we believe in the we believe in the Holy Trinity. We're a Trinitarian um, church. So, you know, I mean, I feel like if you're baptized in the name of Jesus, it's the same thing as baptizing baptizing in the name of the Trinity. Um, is that true? I don't know because I'm not God, so I can't tell you. That's a, that's the biggest reason I don't judge other Christians is because I can't tell you if you're right or wrong. I can tell you my interpretation of Scripture, but I can't tell you, hey, that is wrong. But isn't every Scripture interpreted differently, though? Because, like, okay, yeah. so men wrote it, right? Right. And it was their interpretation of what they were writing. So a lot of the argument against that is um, divine inspiration. So they believe that the apostles were divinely inspired when writing the Bible. Well, the thing is, is that whether you claim divine inspiration or not, that doesn't mean you can you can't mess up. And maybe the apostles were divinely inspired. But the people that translated but it were the, not. Right. So King James, who wrote the Bible, um, he wrote it um, for whatever reason he wrote it. But he had he didn't translate it himself. He had a, a college of scholars translate it. Exactly. So now there there was a hefty hefty penalty for mistranslating the Bible, but the 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 thing is. How many times has the Bible been translated since then? Though? Okay, so there are 250 plus translations of the Bible. And it's all slight translations, and they're all slightly different. Right, and it, and all not all translations are word for word. Some are paraphrased. Some are, um, you know, written in what we would consider modern English. Um, so... So no, not all translations of the Bible are going to read the exact same. I have five different translations of the Bible, um, and all of them read very differently. So the way it's written changes how you interpret it, which means how you interpret it changes how you apply it. Um, so it's like the Lord's Prayer has been interpreted different now. Because it's lead us not into temptation and deliverance from evil, and it's... Lead us not into something else now. Yeah, so so now there there's different interpretations of that. I know it, it can even be written differently. You know, instead of saying "Our Father who art in heaven," um, there's a modern there's a modern translation that changes it from the um, Elizabethan English to modern English, and it sounds totally different. Completely. Um, same words. Totally forgive sense. us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Yeah. That's what was changed. Forgive those who trespass. Yeah. As we so, forgive our trespassers. Yeah. So so Which the, is two completely different things. Yeah. 
one is you owe them, and the other one is they came up on you. Right. So forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, that's There's even another translation. So, um, or there's yet another translation. So um, I think it really just depends on how you interpret the Bible. Um, for me, uh, people, some people say being gay is a sin. For me, um, I believe that the Bible was mistranslated because um, in Martin Luther's 1912 um, translation of the Bible, um, it says men who lay with boys and not men who lay, a man who lays with another man is with a woman. So, um, and then in the other verse where it says the homosexual shall not in, inherit the kingdom of heaven, it says um, the boy molesters. So the rapists. So, I mean, it, it really depends on whose translation you feel is correct and how you translate that Maybe translation. Maybe just a slight misunderstanding because it said love one another to love yourself. But what if you love yourself like that? Uh, and people are like, oh, yeah, no, that's not what they meant. Well, how do you know what they meant? Well, the, well, the other thing is, is that above all else, Christ gave us two commandments, to love God and to love our neighbor. So... He didn't say how. <laughs> the, the the two questions that I usually ask or the, the couple questions that I usually ask, um, the biggest one is, is it helping you love God more and is it helping you love your neighbor more? So if the answer to either of those are no, then it's not right. So racism, is it helping you love God more? No. Is it helping you love your neighbor more? No. So is racism a good thing? Is it a Christian value? No. Um, being, uh, we're 